From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. COVID created a lot of freelancers, and those freelancers all have a problem. Yes, there's just these common pitfalls that no matter how much we try to get the information out there, and obviously other organizations do as well, there's just common pitfalls that when you're, you're starting a business, a freelance business, you tend to trip over the same hurdles that other people faced. This is Preston, and he knows a thing or two about freelancer problems. My name is Preston Lee, and I run Milo.co, which is a community blog, uh, podcast, a whole series of things that we put out, especially for freelancers. So our whole goal is to help freelancers really level up their game. That podcast, by the way, is called Freelance to Founder. And Preston says that of all the problems that freelancers face, and of course, there are many of them, one of the most common is that for one reason or another, they are thinking about their portfolio all wrong. Literally, some freelancers, before they ever find their first client, they're stressing about what they're putting in their portfolio, right? They feel like they can't go into business until they have a portfolio set up. And in some ways, that that might be true. But in reality, like we put so much pressure on our portfolio as freelancers that we almost lose sight of the real goal, which is like getting clients in the door, making some money, helping make ends meet so that we can continue to freelance and continue to grow our business. Preston said to me that there are some really simple, important things that freelancers should be thinking about when they're building their portfolio. And that is what I wanted to dive into today, because as it turns out, this is not just a subject about a portfolio. It's not just about how you put something together. It actually has a lot to do with how you think about your services and how you relate to your clients and how you drive business all extremely important subjects for freelancers. And through the lens of how to build a great portfolio, that is exactly what Preston and I are talking about on this episode today. We are digging into the portfolio and everything it represents. Coming up after the break. Are you looking for a great new business opportunity and are excited about the idea of improving the lives of young people? Then you will want to look at a franchise called Huntington Learning Center. Huntington Learning Center is the nation's leading K-12 tutoring and test prep provider and is seeking new franchise owners who are passionate about building a great business and passionate about education, even if they have no previous educational experience. Huntington Learning Center believes that by delivering world-class results for its students, profitability will follow for its franchisees. Franchise owners earn 46% more in revenue than the closest competitor, and that's in part because of its low startup expenses and an award-winning support team. The need for tutoring has never been greater, and on average, Huntington students increase over two grade levels in reading and math in just three months, and its test prep students increase 5.4 points on the ACT and 229 points on on the SAT. Want to learn more? Call Huntington today at 1-800-653-8400 or visit huntingtonfranchise.com. All right, we're back. So this episode, I'm talking to Preston Lee, freelance expert about how freelancers can build a great portfolio that drives business, that gets clients. And here's where I'd like to start. 
When I began my conversation with Preston, I described, really offhandedly, I described portfolios as a place to show off your work. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not really the right way to think about it. The very first thing that any freelancer looking to build a successful portfolio has to think is not how do I show off my work, but how does this portfolio become a client converting tool? I have to start thinking about my portfolio less as a resume or a letter of references, right? To, to sort of hearken to the traditional applying for a job scenario. And I have to think of it more as a conversion tool, a sales page, a pitch, so that when my potential clients land there, yes, they like my work, but they also follow a journey from being a complete stranger to learning more about me, to learning more about my work, how and, and more specifically, how I can help them so that they want to click that hire me button or fill up that form or chat on the widget or whatever you have set up for conversions. That's the whole idea is you're building a portfolio focused on client conversion. So that's a really powerful way of framing it. And I'm so glad that I, without thinking about it, used the wrong way of thinking about it. Because <laughs> what I was what I was thinking about was really the last time that I had something that I guess I would call a portfolio. So I mean, I guess I still do, but I'm doing so many different things now that it takes a different shape. But back when I was a freelancer in a more traditional sense. I, I did a lot of freelance journalism. And my website at the time, you went to it and it literally was just a long list of links organized mm. by publication. It was like, here's all the stories I wrote for the New York Times. Here's all right. the stories I wrote for the Washington right. Post. And that wasn't a client conversion tool at all. Uh, all it was really was a collection of my, of my crap that somebody could go sift through if they wanted to. So if we're going to start digging into problems that people have with their portfolios. I suppose that's probably number one, isn't it? Is just putting a bunch of stuff up and then expecting other people to do the work of actually digging through it and figuring out if you're right for them. Right. Absolutely. And you don't want to leave it up to chance that they happen to click the right links, that they happen to see the best work, that they happen to connect the dots, that that's the kind of work you can do for them and, and that you don't want to have them guess at the results. Like there's all of these other pieces that if you just have a list of links to things you've written, or we see this with designers all the time, just like a wordless visual grid of projects you've worked on, you know, dozens and dozens of boxes of things to click on. Like it's so uncontrolled that yes, you're absolutely right. Everything we want to talk about today, we want to, we want to think about inside this framework of a client conversion tool, as opposed to a place to just show off your work. Do you think that it's smart to have some way to frame things up top for yourself that's like, well, what I'm thinking about is I just recently went through this process in which I, I hired a really good company to redo my website. And they suggested having a start here page, which I'd never mm. thought about before. And so now somebody, because I thought, well, start here, start here is you go to jasonpfeiffer.com. That's where you start. But, you know, <laughs> right. jasonpfeiffer.com, when you think about it, I'm trying to throw a ton of stuff at people all at once. I'm going to make, make a, a survey of what it is that I'm up to. But if you want to step back and understand me, you, you need somewhere to go. And if you're a person trying to figure out if I'm right for you, I suppose a button that says start here is a pretty appealing thing. And then I can actually step back and explain myself and explain how I might be useful to you. So when we're talking about establishing yourself and turning your portfolio into a customer conversion tool, can you talk me through what kinds of really 
nitty gritty things people might be thinking about, like like a like a start here if you think that's a good idea? Sure. Yeah. And I think that's a great idea. If you're going to go with a multi-page portfolio, one thing that's really common is feeling like you have to have multiple pages. Instead, what I recommend for a lot of freelancers, particularly if you're just getting started now, obviously you're further along in your career, you have a lot of things you want to share with people. And so the start here, makes perfect sense because you're doing the exact right thing. You want to put potential clients on the right path to start the journey toward conversion. And the start here is the perfect first step, or it should be at least the content on that page should be the perfect first step in that journey. If we step back though a little bit and look, you know, if if you don't have a ton of work, if you don't have a ton of different offerings, if if really you have just a simple freelance business, you're offering one or two services and you're having a hard time filling up a 10 or 15 page website, really it makes more sense to have one page and it can scroll for quite a bit. But what you're doing with a one page portfolio website is you're controlling the journey as the user scrolls. And so they're seeing the things you want them to see. And so that first section might be what you would put normally in a start here, or maybe the second section, what you would normally put in a start here page. And you guide them through this journey where step-by-step they begin to trust you. They begin to understand how you add value to your clients. But whether you have multiple pages or, or that full scrolling thing, it really is about that journey from start to finish. What can people do to differentiate themselves? Because any freelancer, I I imagine, must be thinking, well, I am one of many here. When I was a freelance reporter, I was one of many freelance reporters. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I could never entirely figure out how to explain why I was better than somebody else outside of, oh, look, I've written all these stories for the New York Times. How can somebody do that better? Yeah, that, that can be a really tough question to answer for the masses. You know, uh, it makes a lot more sense on a one-on-one basis, right? Like mm-hmm. I'll work with you and you'll say, well, I've written for the New York Times. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, not a lot of freelancers have done that relatively. And so that's a great thing to include. However, I think it's important. I think this can't, this piece of advice can apply to the masses. And that is if you focus on the value that you're bringing to your potential clients, you will stand out from most other portfolios around. So when a client visits a series of portfolios, checking out a few different freelancers, trying to decide which one one or ones to hire, they'll see a lot of, I do this, I do that, I develop websites, I write articles, I design social media images, right? I, I, I. If you instead frame your portfolio at what the client will get, right? So, you know, our clients get, see a 20% increase in clicks, or they see a 20% increase in page views or what, like whatever, whatever you feel like is an important metric to your client. If you put that in the spotlight, instead of you and your talent, that will shine so much brighter to clients out there and is a fantastic way to stand out. So, so any freelancer can do this, right? You just have to identify what is the real value that I'm bringing to the clients that I'm serving. Oh, that's so smart. Yeah, that's a really hard thing, I think, for people to think about because people aren't often natural salespeople and they don't entirely understand how to frame themselves in a way in which they're coming at it from the client's point of view. At least this is this is my assumption. So you challenge me on it if you think that I'm wrong. But I'm thinking about myself and I'm thinking, when I was a freelancer, I knew exactly what I did and what I like to do. But I don't know that I ever really stepped back and thought, well, what does my client want? And how can I, how can I pitch myself in a way in which I'm not just talking about my skill set, but I'm talking about deliverables? Is, is that an uncomfortable right. shift for people? 
I think it can be because here's what happens. And, and we see this in, in the book, The E-Myth Revisited, right? We see this idea of a baker or, a, or some sort of craftsman tradesman starts a business, opens a bakery in this example, and thinks he can run a business. When in reality, what he or she can do is bake really great pastries, right? Which is a skill, of course, it's a great skill, but, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as running a business. And so we see this with freelancers as well. I might be a great writer. I might be a great developer. I might be a great designer, but I'm not necessarily a salesperson or a marketing person or promotions person. And so, I, yeah, I, I don't... I'm not good naturally at thinking about how my clients, what my clients need and how they're making their decisions. And so quite often we think that the decision happens something like this. Hi, I'm Preston. I design websites and here's the process that I follow. And here are some examples of what I've done. And I really hope we're a good match, right? Instead, you could through copywriting and visuals in your portfolio site, you say something like this. Hi, I'm Preston. I design websites. I've designed websites for companies like yours in these ways, and we've gotten these results. And I'd love to do the same thing for you. I know we can get the same results for your company. Let's work together. We are a good match, right? And so it's not, it's not like a putting yourself out there and crossing your fingers. It's a very concrete way of saying like, we are a good match and and you'd be foolish not to hire me because I can get you and your business the results that you want. That can be a bit of an awkward shift and, and it requires confidence and it requires knowledge of the true value that you bring to your clients. But over time, you can get more and more confident in that in that area and that really can pay off. And that really requires an understanding of your customer. Hi, it is me in real time now, uh, not in the interview, interrupting because we have to take a short break for a word from our sponsor. But when we come back, I'm going to pose exactly that to Preston about understanding the client because he has some really helpful insights on that. Are you ready to take your business to the next level and looking for that push, that guidance, that inspiration to help get you there? Well, then what you need is Entrepreneur Insider. Entrepreneur Insider is a membership-based program created by the editors of Entrepreneur Magazine and Entrepreneur.com. It provides insights and advice from industry experts, along with exclusive benefits like access to premium online articles, videos, webinars, a weekly newsletter, and an ad-free experience on Entrepreneur.com. Plus, you get a free one-year subscription to Entrepreneur Magazine. Don't miss out. Become an Entrepreneur Insider for just $5 per month today and start boosting your business knowledge and growing your brand. Visit entrepreneur.com slash insider to unlock your access today. Again, that is entrepreneur.com slash insider. All right, we're back. So let's just jump right back into the conversation I was having with Preston. You know, what it also requires is a real understanding of how your client thinks, which may not be something that people actually think about or have the conversation. Do you suggest that freelancers, once they have a good experience with a client, once a client is happy, have a kind of conversation that could lead to the insights that you could put on a site like that, right? Talk to them about what they were looking for, why they chose that, what kind of result they saw, get into their head so that the next time that you're speaking with a client, you understand a little bit more of exactly the language that they speak and how you could fit into their world in in maybe more direct way. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much to unpack here. 
one gem that you touched on briefly is if you can talk to your clients, the ones you've successfully completed projects with, the ones you've gotten real results and added real value to their business. If you can talk to them, maybe even record those conversations or, or do it in an email thread or something so that you can capture those conversations, you can take those exact words that they use and that will literally be the copy that you can transform a bit and use on your website. So if you don't feel like you're a good copywriter, if you feel like you, if you can't articulate well what you do for your clients, have long conversations with these clients and identify words that you see over and over again in your conversations and use those words in your copywriting. As soon as you do that, you're all of a sudden speaking the same language as your potential clients. And when someone shows up to your portfolio site and you're speaking the same language, they, a client will immediately feel this sense of comfort. Like, oh, they get me. They understand the pain points that I have in my business. They understand how to solve those pain points. They understand the value I'm looking for in a freelancer. As opposed to like, well, I hope that this freelancer gets the more intricate you know, parts of my business. They are a good writer, but I don't know if they'll understand what I'm going through as a business owner or as a manager or something. Oh, that's a great hack, especially if somebody doesn't really understand the language of their client. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's funny to think about, but right, you could totally copy and paste functionally the language that somebody spoke to you and then just speak it to somebody else because you're just taking parts of a fluent language and passing it along to someone else who's fluent in that language. And I suppose the more you do that, the more you become fluent in it yourself. Yes, 100%. And you can do this as well, like through intake forms. If you gather information and you say, what problem can I solve for you? And they say, well, I'm just facing this issue where I can't get any traffic to my blog and I'm looking for a writer who can maybe do some good SEO writing or something, right? Well, now all of a sudden your pitch is not, hi, I'm an SEO writer. Your pitch now is, I can get you traffic to your blog, right? Because that's the issue. That's the pain point that they've identified in their language. And of course, it can get much more intricate and detailed in, in much smaller niches, but identifying those pain points and then regurgitating them back to other potential clients is a huge, massive way to kind of skip over a few steps in terms of your marketing. That's fantastic. Preston, let's talk about one more. What is another common mistake that you see people make with their portfolios? Oh man, there are so many, but I would say there's this tendency on a website, and this is especially true of multi-page portfolios where I preach that you should have what's called a, what I call a minimum viable portfolio. And of course, listeners who are familiar with like startup world and tech world understand that minimum viable means like, what's the minimum thing I can do or put out that will work functionally, that will get me clients in this case? And what are the bells and whistles that I can, that I can avoid and not worry about quite yet? Maybe add in later if I need to, but not worry about right now so that I can just hit the ground running. And I think what, what happens though, is instead of doing a minimum viable portfolio, a lot of freelancers, they'll do like a 10 or 15 page website and every website has links to their social accounts and has a link to their blog and like all of these, what I call off ramps or the other culprit aside from off ramps are dead ends where you might click, you might click like a thumbnail image and it blows up to a, a light box, you know, like a little pop-up and they don't really know where to go from there. And so Again, it comes back to this idea of like controlling the journey, right? From the time they show up on your website until they convert. And so any opportunity where they can leave your website 
and not come back. You know, go to your Instagram account. Remember, your portfolio doesn't exist to get you more Instagram followers. It doesn't exist to get you more blog readers. It exists, or it should exist, to convert site visitors into paying clients. And so any opportunity that takes them away from that goal is actually detrimental to your portfolio. And so those are the two things for me. Off-ramps and dead ends stop clients from continuing on that journey all the way to the end where they hire you. That is awesome. And also makes me think about part of my own journey into this, which is, you know, I told you a few minutes ago that my original version of my website back when I was a freelance writer was just a long list of links. And then I maintained some version of that as my site and as my business evolved. And now I, you know, I'm not really a freelancer, right? I mean, I I obviously run Entrepreneur Magazine, but I do a bunch of other stuff on the side that I guess you could call freelancing in some form or another. I speak, you know, I, I, I consult, et cetera, et cetera. But my website for a very long time still had on the top, one of the tabs was writing. And you click it and it would bring you to another version of that long list of, of articles. And there was no point to it. It was what I was doing was I had just stuffed it in there because I was so used to stuffing it in there. And because I just kept feeling like, well, I've done this, I've done this, so you should see it, which is, I imagine, <laughs> a lot of the reason why what you're referencing here, where people are putting their Instagrams and stuff on their website because mm-hmm. they're like, well, this is, I've done this. You, I, this, mm-hmm. is, this is my this work. This is part you of my see. brand. This is part yeah. of me. Yeah. And to think about, and, uh, you know, when I went through the process of redoing my site, the people I worked with advised me to take that out. It still exists. There's still a page, but it's like buried and it's not, it's hard to find. And that's because sure. it's, it's, it's almost unnecessary. And right. so it's, out, instead, it's outside your core journey. That's right. That's a really yeah. wonderful way of phrasing it. Yeah. It's outside the core journey. And, and therefore, it should be outside of the average visitor's journey through my site because right. it's not what I'm selling them. And therefore, it's it's a dead end or it's a road to nowhere. And that doesn't help me. And I, I as you say this, I just think everybody must have some version of that for themselves where it's something that they feel is core to them that they've been working on for a long time. Maybe it was their business previously, but at this mm. point, it's just a distraction for them trying to convert a client on what they do now. Yeah, 100%. And I think this comes back to just challenging every piece of your website. You'll build a portfolio and, and let's say you're not a web developer and so and maybe you don't have the money to hire someone to do it for you. And so you're you're using like a WordPress or a Webflow or a Wix or something to build your portfolio site. And it says, what do you want in the menu? And you're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. So then you invent all this stuff to put in your menu that really doesn't help with that core journey just because some software said that you need a menu. And that happens over and over again. And so the idea is like really challenge everything that you assume a, a website should have and ask, does this fall inside my core customer journey? Does this really help them go from stranger to client. And if it doesn't, really think twice or th- three times about about including that on your website. You know, when I was developing mine, I kept looking at Marie Forleo's website. And the reason is just because I was obsessed with how unbelievably simple it is. So she does a ton <laughs> of stuff, but you go to her site and, you know, you can scroll down and like learn all about her or whatever. But the menu is four things. I just pulled it up on my... I just pulled it up to look at it. Four things. About, blog, free training, shop. That's it, right? That's it. It's crazy how simple that is. And probably like how many things they had to go through and say, that doesn't belong there. That's not part Mm. of the journey. And, And maybe it exists somewhere on this site, but it's ultimately as simple as it can be because they want to make sure that nobody gets lost on the journey. 
Yes. And I'm willing to bet that if you were to click through, you know, obviously we don't have time on the show to, to, to dissect this site, but I bet if you were to click through on Marie's site on the about page, it would then link to maybe the free training or the shop. Like everything on these, on pages that are done so well is really a funnel. So, so it's like, if they are going to take a step that you can't predict, like one of four choices in a menu, then those four choices should funnel down into the next choices to continue on that journey. So that the journey looks more like a spiral or a funnel than it looks like maybe a spider web. And you can continue to control that journey. Again, always pressing forward to the moment of conversion. That's really great. Hey, Preston, before I let you go, let's say somebody has been listening to this and instead of coming at it from the perspective of, oh man, I don't know how to build my portfolio, Mm -hmm. um, they are instead coming at it from the perspective of, oh man, I have a portfolio. Maybe it's not good. What's one thing that somebody (laughs) should give somebody something to look for on their own site that can help them figure out if maybe they need to step back and rethink? Well, I mean, the most obvious thing to look for is conversions. If you're not, if you're not getting conversions, then obviously something is broken. It can look as pretty as anything, but if it's not converting, and honestly, I've seen some really ugly portfolio sites that convert well. And so it's all about conversion. If you're not getting the conversions out of it, then really you you might as well start over because, because that's the whole goal. Perfect. Preston, thank you so much. This is so useful. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure to be here. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to Problem Solvers wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Monday morning and you don't want to miss it. And hey, be kind. Pass the show along to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost. And did you solve a problem that would be good for this show? Let me know about it. Visit my website, jasonpfeiffer.com, J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com, where you can find my contact information and all sorts of other valuable info. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for all all your entrepreneurship needs and even better subscribe to our magazine which is just full of the smartest entrepreneurs solving the toughest problems my name is jason pfeiffer the editor-in-chief of entrepreneur magazine thanks for listening and hey let's go solve some problems